What up, guys? Welcome to the New American Dream Podcast. I'm your host, George Gibson. All right, welcome back. We got another awesome episode. I know you guys been missing us because I think we're one of the top podcasts in the world, but we ain't got a recognition yet. But yes, today's episode, oh my God, this is like, this is what I needed for a comeback. This is what I needed because this episode talks about getting rid of all of the distractions in your life and also making use of your relationships. Yes, relationships. When I mean relationships, your network. We oftentimes, um, we we just don't use our relationships to our, advantage, to our best advantages. But when I say this year has been crazy because we got health, we got um, finances, we got political things, everything in this world is just distracting us from our main goal and main focus. So this week, I want you to ignore everything that is not directed to your main goal. You know, you're, everybody know their main goal in life or in life, even just for the next year. You know your main goal. If what you're doing and talking about does not affect in a positive way that goal, do not do it. Do not go there. Do not talk about it. Do not be with them. Just do not do it. And that's what it's about, all about. If you want to get and become successful and, and advance in life, you have to be focused on the goal. And the goal has small steps that you have to take. Focus on them small steps that is taking steps towards the goal. Second, and I, I, I just used this today. So now I'm back in the market looking for real estate and I needed a lender in a different state. So you know what? I could have went on the internet and Google and look for a realtor and look for a lender and all them things, right? But I didn't. I reached out to somebody I know in that area and said, hey, can you connect me connect me with one of your realtors and lender? And the the response is a lot better because now you're getting a a verified representative to introduce you to a person so everybody know, you know, this is a good person or this you can believe in what they're doing and take advantage of them relationships. We have to start using our professional relationships to find don't go to random people. Go to people who you know talk and do that every day and get help from them. And that's all about you leverage. Success breeds success. So if you're trying to be successful, connect with successful people. All right? That's this week's goal. Get rid of the the uh, distractions and hang with people that are building relationships. All right, enough of me talking. We got a great podcast. This is great. He said he's just a beginner, a rookie, but man, when I tell you he went from zero to 19, I said not not nine, not 10, 19, one nine properties in 10 months. And this guy has a very great perspective on life. And I truly believe that you will get a lot out of this episode. All right, welcome to the show. We have Nolan Galib. Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Got it right, got it right, all right, all right. <laughs> but yeah, yes. Yeah. So Nolan, tell us, um, like the people, let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do to start off. Gotcha. Well, I am a real estate agent and real estate investor in Northeast Georgia. Um, but my story goes back way further than that. So I did not intend to have a career in real estate. Um, let me back up just a little bit for you. So I was born with a disease called cystic fibrosis. 
um, which is a, a it's usually, it's a lung disease and it's, you know, it's a genetic disease. So I've had it since I was very, very young. And I uh, played sports and played basketball. And my dream was to play college basketball with this, you know, having cystic fibrosis. Well, I played, I, you know, did my thing. I ended up being able to play basketball, NCAA Division II basketball, and um, got into education. And I was a teacher. Um, however, because I had cystic fibrosis, I could not stay well in a classroom full of 30 kids that were always coming to school sick. So um, a very long story short, um, after several years of teaching, I just couldn't stay well enough and ended up having to get listed for a double lung transplant. Wow. So um, I enjoyed teaching. I was an eighth grade science teacher and really enjoyed it. Um, worked at a great place. But whenever I got listed, you know, I was 17 months waiting on a lung transplant. And then when I got the lung transplant, my life completely changed. Like my health was great. I've never felt better in my entire life, but I couldn't go back to teaching. So because of, you know, the immunosuppressants and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't want to surround myself with sick kids that, you know, might compromise my new lungs. So I had a friend that was a real estate agent at the time and said, hey, have you considered getting into real estate? And I was like, not really. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know what a mortgage is. Like I have no clue whatsoever about real estate. Um, but because, you know, I'm willing to try it, I'm looking for something new where I can kind of set my own hours and choose who I'm going to be around and that kind of thing. I, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Well, I got into it and realized that I really, really, really enjoyed it. Right. It took a while to like get my footing and, you know, understand what I was doing, but I really enjoyed it. Did, so, you, wait, did you know of bigger pockets before you got your real estate license? Not at all. Not okay, at no, all. No, okay. Not at all. And I'm, and I'm getting there. So after being an agent for, I don't know, almost a year, I started realizing that being an agent is nice and commissions are nice, but if something were to happen and I could not work, well, the commission, the, the, uh, the income stops, stops, right? So I was like, all right, I got to figure out something here. Like I got to figure out what I'm going to do if things go south. And like, if I'm back in the same position where I was several years ago. So I had shown a few houses to investors and, um, you know, when they're talking about offering cash in my mind at the time, I'm thinking, how in the world does somebody offer a hundred grand cash for this house and this house? And I'm like, I, I just don't understand it. And about that time, somebody, you know, I was asking around, it's like, Hey, what are some good resources for real estate? And, um, about that time they said, Hey, you ought to listen to bigger pockets. So it was probably, I don't remember what the first episode was, but after the first episode that I listened to, I was like, Oh, that's it. It that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I felt like I had like an insider's, you know, almost like insider trading info that nobody else had because I had been a real estate agent for a year. I knew the market. I knew, you know, I knew my way around. So it kind of came naturally. Um, so I, you know, went in and found a property and got everything ready. And um, so you know, whenever something did arise that right. I knew would fit my numbers and all that kind of stuff, I was like, I was ready for it when it happened. Right. Um, now I, I was super nervous. And, yeah. you know, in my head, I knew that it was supposed to work out. But until you actually do it once, it was, it was kind of theoretical. But, 
you know, yeah. after, after get, jumping into it and getting going, it's like, uh, this is it. It is, it is it's kind of like the people before they buy property and they keep thinking about what if this happened? What if that happened? It's kind of like, they want to know every single thing and they haven't even bought the deal yet. So that's like right. you said, you were probably nervous before the first deal, but now you look at a house, you know, right off the bat, Oh, that's a good deal. Let's oh, act fast. You're confident now. For sure. The, the confidence after that first deal, and I wouldn't even say after the first deal, like during the first deal, once you actually do it and know there's no turning back, your confidence grows. Right. It's, it's amazing how that works, but you know. All right. So all right, let's take, all right, let's take it from all the way to the back. Let's yeah. see, like, how was your childhood? You said you, you had this, um, what was it, lung? Yeah, lung, cystic fibrosis, yeah. Yes. So like growing up as a kid, like were your family talk, like, talking about, you know, real estate growing up? Like, how was your childhood life? No, it did not revolve around real estate whatsoever. Um, my parents owned a house. I mean, we, we had a house and they had their monthly mortgage and all that kind of stuff. But I had no idea what any of that was. I didn't know, you know, I had no idea how much they paid. You know, I didn't know. I, I had, if you would have asked me how much is your house worth, I would have had no clue. I mean, I just could not have come up with an answer. So it was not on my radar whatsoever. And even into adulthood, it was not on my radar. I didn't know anything about it. But, but was your parents like, did they have a nine to five job or were they? Yeah, so, so my dad worked for the state in the Department of Corrections and my mom was a teacher. So yeah, they, they both worked in just normal old blue collar family. Yeah, dang, that's crazy. So that's, that's great because you don't have no kind of like inside look at what is like most of my guests, their parents own a, like a little convenience store. They own a laundromat. So they will witness their parents, you know, doing some type of entrepreneur small business. No, not at all. My my uh, my world was sports. <laughs> it really was. It was whatever I got to do to play college basketball. That's what I'm going to do. Right. That was it. Period. All right. So tell us, all right, all right, far as you get in high school, you playing sports. Uh, are you are like an A student? What was your GPA in high school? Gosh, I have no idea. It was C's and B's probably. C's and B's. Okay. The average million that is, uh, I think, a GPA like a 2.7. Uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, guess that's what the average yeah. GPA of me now is around a 2.7, you know, 2.8. So I always ask people their GPA. Well, then that fares well for me. Then. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, it makes sense though, because most, um, I'm not a millionaire, but it seems like most millionaires are, you know, in high school, you got general studies. So that means you got to study all subjects. But, you know, after you, you figure out your passion and purpose, we go one direction. Like, you know, once I figure out, like, I like or love real estate, that's, I'm all in. There's no, like, real estate, stocks. Like, I, I still ain't got the stock. Like, a lot of my friends in stocks right now, but I actually enjoy doing real estate, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I was having a conversation, probably with my wife and a couple friends. I, I don't remember the exact context of the conversation, but it was, um, basically, it was, you know, what would you do if, you could do whatever, you know, money wasn't an issue or whatever it was. And I can't remember exactly details, but I do remember thinking, oh, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing right now, period. Yeah. This is fun for me. This is like, this is what I was supposed to be doing from the very beginning, but, you know. Yeah. So, all right. So take us out of high school. Do you get a basketball scholarship? What's next? So I actually walked on. I, I played at a small private school in middle Georgia. Basketball was not a priority, you know, Middle Georgia's football country. 
Okay. And uh, basketball at a small private school, it was, it was just, you know, one of the, it was just a dream, really. Right. Um, but for some reason, I just had it in my mind that that's what I wanted to do. I don't know if it had to do with, you know, being the kid that growing up with CF that, you know, the odds were stacked to get me against me or, or what it was. But um, yeah, it was my goals were to play basketball. So I walked on on the JV team okay. at Anderson College at, the, at that time. It's Anderson University, but Anderson College in South Carolina. I walked on the JV team um, and was the varsity manager. Okay. And because, you know, look, I'm on the team. I've got a uniform. I'm getting the sweats. Like I got the gear. Like I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after a couple of years on JV and being the varsity manager, so I was going to my JV practices, varsity practices, JV workout, varsity workout, conditioning, all that kind of stuff. You know, I picked up things. I was like around it enough where I was like, oh, okay, well, that's how you're supposed to do your cuts to get open. And so I would start, I would start learning. I would start building my, my repertoire. And then eventually it was like, you know, I'm in the right place at the right time, a 6 a.m. call or a 6 a.m. Uh, uh, practice and one of the guys on the varsity team got kicked out of the gym and I was sitting there on the sideline and they said hey you want to fill in I was sure so I was on varsity ever from that point on that was my uh, junior year and then my senior year somebody left school for something and then I got their scholarship wow so by, by my last my, my last semester I was on scholarship yeah and you know what I get like from that whole conversation just yeah. show up just show up just show up because if you show up like even like you know how we before the show we was talking about the mailman you know it's a you, you're taking like a one percent chance on knocking on somebody's door and they actually want to save the house the, the the odds are against you but if you just show up like i say like my uh, second auction i went to you know luckily only like maybe like four like it may be 10 people there but only three to four people that were there to bid so I end up getting the house like nobody, you know, showed up. You just show up, you know, because you never know what the outcome could be from that story. It seemed like, you know. Yeah, you're exactly right. So most of my investing success, you know, I'm you might be getting to this eventually, but I've got just closed on unit number 19. Wow. Since December 2020. So less than so what, 10 months, something like that. I've just closed on number 19 and all of them. We're just being at the right place at the right time showing up. Wow. So that, that is crazy. So in 10 months, 19 units. All right. What does this 19 units look like? Like, what does your portfolio look like? Right. So the first deal was a triplex. Okay. All right. So it was on market and it was listed for like 125. And it was actually a fourplex. Um, so it was that, so let me back up. So it was actually part of a bigger deal that had three, uh, two single family houses and this triplex on it, or three single family houses and a triplex. Okay. And they had it listed and it was, you know, too high. And for whatever reason, nobody wanted that particular deal package. It was like listed at $399 and whatever. So the agent talked the seller, the listing agent talked the seller into splitting the part splitting the properties up so that the three single families would go themselves and the and the fourplex would be by itself right, so yeah. that the fourplex at 125. now because i had you know done the work and listened to the podcast and you know knew the market i was like as soon as that popped up i was like i gotta see it 
you know, that's, you know, there's value add there. I knew the area, like I knew exactly where that property was. So I called the agent and said, Hey, how do I get in this house to check it out? And he said, well, the owner's there showing some other folks around. And, and mind you, this was probably 10 minutes after the, the listing got updated. So he said, well, the owner's there showing a few people around. You can go by and just get in with them. So I went and by the time I got there, there were probably five other investors and the owner walking folks around. Now it was in bad, bad shape, but I knew what I was looking at. So I kind of backed out of the, backed out of the tour and went and called the agent and said, Hey, what do I have to do to get this under contract? Smart. Now, now let me tell you this. I did not have money for this. When I did that, when I said, how do I get this under contract? I did not have money for it. So I'd had some conversations with some folks that said, hey, I'd be interested in investing. If you can find a deal, let's, let's do it. So I called those people and told them what it was. And I told them, you know, this will be a buy and hold. We'll rehab it. We'll rent it out. We'll refinance it. You know, we'll burn it. And they're like, eh, no, we want to make some quick money, like on a flip. And I was like, oh. So I was like, how about this? Get it under contract using your proof of funds and give me until the end of due diligence to find financing on my own. Okay, so they did that. We had a seven day due diligence. And by day five, I found a partner, you know, that I've known since college. We came up with the down payment. We used a hard money lender and we got the deal. We, we closed. Wow. So wait, all right. This is this is risk at is all out. Right. So what what type of neighborhood would you say this in? Um, so it is in. So it's along an interstate corridor in northeast Georgia. Um, probably about an hour and a half from Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta is sprawling big time, right? right? So, you know, every little town along interstate is just, is blowing up. Well, our county has had probably four massive companies come in and build distribution warehouses along that interstate because, you know, it's just perfect for shipping like to the Southeast. So, um, you know, the the town is, is, jobs are like coming in by the thousands and nobody's got places to live and there's not a single rental vacancy in the whole town um so currently the town is probably a b to c area okay that's that's not bad for a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar fourplex you know in what year we in 2021 when they said the prices you know well i'm in florida so the prices are steady going up so that that sounds like i thought you was maybe in like the slum slums (laughs) No, it's a, it's a regular, just blue collar town. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of big, big industry coming in and there's, there's not a single rental vacancy in the town. Wow. So, all right, this is perfect for the people who are still on the fence about, you know, getting into real estate because, all right, this your first deal. All right. The day you close, all right, you got the keys. What did you, all right, what's next? Cause it's a million things you got to do. You got four plants and then a lot of work. What yeah. was what what did you say you need to do? What was your thought? okay? So the day I closed, let me think back. The day I closed, um, I was super excited, taking pictures with the you know with the closing folder and everything, and it was like, okay, well, when when do we get started? Um, and at the time, I thought I was going to fix up. Um, there were two tenants in there currently, and they were way like a third of what market rent is, but the place was a dump. Right. So I was thinking, all right, well, we're going to have time to fix up upstairs because it was, you know, two units on the bottom, two units on the top. 
I was like, we'll fix up upstairs. And then whenever we get done with that and they move out, then we'll fix up theirs. Well, instantly one person left. So I've got one tenant at way below market rent. And three and then, vacant units. And then three vacant units that were terrible. One of the, one of the tenants like smoked four packs a day. And you could, I, I think I might have pictures on Facebook or Instagram or something that shows like the windows were just covered with like smut I don't, I don't know what it was just disgusting right so i'm thinking all right well we've got a lot of work to do yeah <laughs> so i start lining up folks to come in um the house the uh, property was built like in 1906 or something so we we're gonna have to get the entire place rewired what what were what was your initial because i know you went over budget you don't have to tell me but what were your thoughts on how much this is going to take to fix it like what did you tell your investor like this going to cost this much so I think we initially budgeted for like 45 or 50, around 45,000 was our budget okay. on paper. On paper, yeah. We ended up spending about 55 to 60 on rehab. Okay, not too uh, bad. Yeah, not too bad. Here's the thing though. Once we got started, I didn't like, I knew what a hard money loan was, but I didn't know how it operated. So I was not familiar with the draw process. So we put all our money in, essentially all our money in for down payment and getting to closing and all that kind of stuff. And then we're ready to start, you know, getting the contractors in there and, you know, getting the electricians to rewire the place. And uh, I called the guys like, when am I going to get the check to pay the, pay the folks? And they're like, oh, you pay it and we pay you back. Oh, it was on a draw. That's, yeah, that's cold. That's cold. Yeah, so I, I was thinking, well, I, that would have been good to know. Um, but anyway, so, I mean, we just went into savings and retirement accounts and all that kind of stuff and pulled it out and got it done. And so, so, it. so like, if this your first time you're a hard money lender, what can I, at first tell the people, like, from your knowledge, because I never use a hard money lender either. So, in like, the best way to explain it, what is a hard money lender to people who made so it? Yeah, a hard money lender is someone who generally loans money for a shorter term. This is an institutional thing. Like, it, you know, it's not like Cousin Joe around the corner. Right. It's, a, it's an actual company, an actual business that loans money on a shorter term. So it'll be like, instead of a 30-year loan, you're talking like an 18-month loan type right. thing at a higher interest rate. And they'll fund, they'll fund pretty much everything except like 20% of the purchase price. So that's what they did. They were going to fund the rehab and everything, but I did not realize that we had to do the draw process for the rehab, which essentially means, you know, they'll pay uh, up to 80% of the purchase price. Right. Plus the full budgeted rehab, but you have to front the money for the, uh, for the contractors and then they'll reimburse you along the way. Yeah, so to me, that doesn't make sense for them to reimburse you. If I had the money in the first place, why would you need their money for the rehab, you know? Yeah, well, because we weren't planning on digging into the savings. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just assuming. I thought if it's hard money, they're going to loan you the money up front to do the rehab. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's what I thought, too. So yeah. is it certain questions you recommend people ask? Like say they, somebody finna do a flip and they finna use a hard money. Like what questions that, since you did one now, what questions would you like? All right, I'm gonna ask these questions up front. Yeah, so the biggest question, you know, besides the terms like the interest rate and the, and the loan, uh, length of the loan and all that kind of stuff, 
the first question, the biggest question I'm asking is, is there a draw process or will I get the rehab money up front? That's for sure. And then if we're doing the draw process, what's the, what's the, ter what's the turnover time between getting the inspector out to see how much you've done and then getting a check? Okay. And I also didn't know that every time you have the inspector come out, to see how much you've done so they can write a check to reimburse you. It costs you 300 bucks every time the inspector comes out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, knowing those things, I'm not going to use a hard money lo uh, lender again, but it got me to the point where I'm at today um, using private money, not having to do any type of draw process or anything like that. But it, right. got, it got the job done and it gave me the confidence I needed. The house perfectly burned. I've got no money left in it. I got an $8,000 check at closing. You know, it was, it did what it needed to do. Yeah. And um, what I take from it, if I was a um, private money lender, I would say, well, look, if he did it, like you got a uh, track record now, you was able to get a deal with hard money, you know, and close it and get it done. So a private money person and say somebody in your family, like most people got somebody in their family that they thinking about helping this person out, but they scared because if you never really did in real estate, they don't think you really know what you're doing. So right. that that deal, like now, all right, he did that deal. I should have got in on it. So going forward, the person will trust you. You know, yeah. so sometimes you have to make less. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. So we got done with that one. And, you know, I had friends and family following along because ever since the transplant happened, you know, people are always wanting to know, you know, how are you doing and what's going on and this and that. So. I was kind of, I was kind of updating people along the way, you know, Facebook or Instagram or something. And uh, when we got done and I was able to say, Hey, here's what happened. Here's how we got it done. Here's our numbers. Here's what we made. And I put a simple post up and this was, you know, just a friends on Facebook. I put a simple post that said, if I could guarantee 12% interest on any money you would lend, would you be up for it? Yes or no. And out of, I don't remember how many people responded or something, or I don't remember how many people looked at it, but out of the two people said yes. And both those people are, are capital money investors with us or wow. private capital investors with us. Yeah. Off of Facebook. Look at that. Facebook. Facebook. Yep. That's good. That's good. All and right. They're making money and they're making money because, you know, they had that money in like a bank account getting right. 2% or something. And, you know, we pay, 12% we work it into our numbers and they make out like bandits and we do too. So that's 12% annual on their money, right? That's right. Not, 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 not bad. It's better than sending to Wells Fargo. Yeah. And it's better <laughs> than getting a hard money loan. <laughs> right. So, all right, your, your lung transplant, how do you, how does it, how did that, like, you know, that's a life altering, you know, situation. So how do you think that like affected your life? How do you look at life far as somebody who, hasn't gone through anything. How do you think like, you look at life? That's, that's a fantastic question. So I was at the point where, um, you know, I was making sure that if I'm not around, everything is easy, like to switch over to everything in my wife's name. And, you know, if something were to happen, I were not to make it. I was like making those calls to see like, okay, if, you know, what do we need to do? I was reading books on grieving and, how to deal with death and stuff like that. I mean, it, I was not well. <laughs> I was at 17% lung function. 
Um, so then I get, uh, I get the surgery and then now on the other side of surgery, I feel fantastic. And I'm thinking, oh, I better get while the getting's good, right? And my perspective like is so much more focused and so much more optimistic and, and aggressive. And I don't know what the right word for it, but it's like life went from being black and white to being in color. And it's like, okay, well, I wish, I wish everybody could experience this because um, yeah, I mean, my perspective changed a lot. No, I, I, can, I can see because I'm trying to uh, put that in perspective, like you said, from black and white to color. That's a, it's like, yeah. you don't have to explain what that is. I get it. That's just like, you know, I get it. But that's it's, it's like, it's like, I can hustle now. So I'm going to get out and get it is what I did. And then in the midst of that, I was like, oh, what if something happens? Will I still be able to make do? And that's, that's how I got into investing. Investing. Yeah. Okay. And I also, um, I see that you, you're doing the training for the triathlon. How you said? Yeah. So I, um, a little over a year after a double lung transplant, I did a triathlon. Um, I, <laughs> I remember saying one time before transplant, you know, way back when I was not really able to do much, I was like, unless, <laughs> unless a triathlon involved eating, <laughs> napping and pooping, I'm not interested. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like oh well, I feel great well what seems impossible uh a triathlon I'm gonna go do it so what, what what does it consist of I know it, I see you were swimming so running. I, yeah I trained for 12 weeks and really had not swam at all since being a kid splashing around in the pool like wow. seriously I hadn't swam probably since I was 12 so I had to learn how to do open water swims and it was a 12-week training and um, I had a goal of less than two hours. It was a sprint triathlon. Um, I had a goal for less than two hours, and I think I got it under an hour and 45 minutes. No, how long is it? What is it? How many miles you run? So it's a 5K run. Well, first of all, it's a, it's a swim. It's a 400-meter swim, a 5K run, or a 400-meter swim, a 13-mile bike ride, or 15-mile bike ride, and then a 5K run. Right. Okay. And 400 meters doesn't sound like a long way to swim until you get out in open water got <laughs> to do it and not drown but yeah that was a that was a big accomplishment and part of the things I learned from that was you know hard work done consistently and in chunks like you know digestible chunks pays off and you know that's kind of the mindset I take with real estate too it's like I'm not gonna get rich quick but you know I'm gonna do consistent actions over time and then 5 10 15 years from now it'll it'll pay off and it turns out it's going to pay off before 5 years but it's yeah. a um, I was listening it's a guy he was on bigger pockets but I heard him I heard I heard this twice this I know is pretty good but he basically he owned a, he was CEO of a company but he said he tried to live um 4 years in 1 year so what the average person doing 1 year they try to squeeze it into, I believe, like three to four months, you know, and it's all about like, say my goal this year is about five houses. All right, let's mm -hmm. see, can we do that in three to four months, you know, yeah. and you work that way. It is like, you might not get, you know, complete the whole goal, but you'd be surprised how much you can accomplish, you know, by just being focused and intention. And like, I've been like trying to kind of do that, you know, because it's a high goal, but at the same time, 
it's a lot of time we waste by spreading stuff out so far, you know? For sure. I could not agree more. And, you know, I'm using that same mentality now. So, so whenever we got this first deal done, I thought, you know, if I can do, you know, I had this goal, you know, I had this wild goal after the first one. I was like, I would like, you know, I did my numbers backwards and I was like, man, we could, we could really be living if we got like 70 units in 10 years. Right. I was like, man, if we can do like 70 a year, that'd be awesome. You know, you, you know, did 19 you know, to 10 we, months. Exactly. Exactly. So after the first one, I'm like, oh, well, I could do the same amount of work, you know, is because I'm not out there hammering nails every single day. Um, I can do the same amount of work run my numbers the same way and each deal be 14, 15, 20, whatever. And, and get that most of that done in like a year, two years, three years, instead of having to wait seven years and 10 years. So, you know, we just closed on a, on a uh, 14 unit apartment building and a single family house in the wow. same transaction, owner financing, you know, just hustling, knocking on doors, writing letters, Owner financing, 90% owner financing, 0% interest, five years. Wow. That's great. Yeah. That's congratulations, man. Yeah. I, um, what I was going to say. Uh, oh, yeah. First time dealing with contractors. Are you, you know, you you say you're not doing any of the hammering. How is it working? Because it's hard to find good contractors. So are you just going straight to the elite? How are, how are you using your contractors? Yeah, good question. So uh, one of my longtime friends, that I grew up with um, has a business in the area where he's kind of like a middleman between contractors and clients. Right. So he was my connection and he connected me with everybody but the electrician. So I knew him and, and uh, he was huge in helping me find folks to get this thing fixed up and not for like astronomical you know, prices, which right now, you know, contractors are at a premium and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, still that's expensive. Even if it is a good friend who's connected, I mean, all that kind of stuff, it's expensive. So since that first one, what I've done is my brother who lived in Wyoming working in a, con in a uh, construction related field, I was like, look, here's what we're doing. Here's where we're going. You can make more money here and I can save money with you. What do you say you join the business and, and, and move to Georgia? So in August, they moved to Georgia. And he's, you know, he's been in the single family house. You know, we hope to have a tenant in there by um, November 1st. And we're going to move right on over to the 14 units and fix them up one by one. And, you know, he's, he's building a crew and he's doing it. So I'm, I'm trying to eliminate the middleman. Nah, dang, that's good. And you, not only that, you're providing jobs for your own family. You're keeping yeah. the money somewhat, you know, in the family. That's what, you know, I like about real estate. It's hard. You know, you can't make, my biggest thing is trying to make somebody in my family see, you know, how, like, this is it, you know, and you try yeah. to talk them into it. But it's good when you can, you know, bring family members in because it's it like, you know, you're putting the money together and you're keeping it in the family. Yeah. And initially, I don't know that he understood quite the business model that we're going after. Um, but I think he trusted me. And now that he's in it, I think he's starting to, you know, his eyes are starting to get open to the possibilities of what real estate can provide. Right. Um, 
you know, and hopefully he'll be having his own rental portfolio here before too long, but we'll see. Hopefully right. we're getting there. Right. So, all right. I say, you know, you know how, like when you, they put you to sleep before you fit have your lung transplant and say like, you know, God was whispering in your ear, like, uh, Nolan, this is what you're supposed to do while you're on earth. Like, this is like, this is what you're supposed to do while you're living. What would you think the words would have been? Like, what would he be saying? Uh, focus on what's important. Don't get bent out of shape about the things that are insignificant. Um, what's, what's, what, what would you consider important? What's important? Um, relationships are important. Relationships are important. Things that are not important are noise. Um, things are not important. Um, Facebook is not important. What people say on Facebook is not important. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I leverage Facebook for, for what I need. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if some random stranger says whatever, it's like, ugh, okay, whatever. I, I don't know you. I'm never going to meet you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, I'm going to focus my efforts on um, spending time with the people I love and um, doing whatever I got to do to spend more time with them. Yeah, my wife, because I'd be putting out, I was putting out a lot of YouTube videos, but if I get one bad comment, she goes ready to respond. I'm like, I can never get famous. You can't respond to everybody, you know what I mean? Because yeah. one person feels some type of way. I mean, I, like you said, it don't really, I don't even know who people are, but it doesn't yeah. bother me. But my mom and my wife, they'll come looking for your page, you know? <laughs> yeah. I see, so again, that stuff, you know, when, when you come face to face with, Life and death. <laughs> Life and death. You know, you you realize that some things are worth fretting about and worrying about, and some things aren't. And that's just one of the things that's not. Yeah. So, right as of right now, you know, you got, uh, what do you say, 18, 19 units? 19 units, yeah. 19 units. What, what like, I don't want to ask you what's your, like, you know, your goal in the next five years to get to in real estate, but, like, how – like if you could live the perfect life, what, what, what's, what's, where are you trying to get to? So I don't mind sharing what my goals are. Um, my goals are a hundred units in less than five years. Jeez. That's my goal now. And having the perspective that I had before, you know, being at, at 70, I think 70, um, now hundred units, I'm kind of second guessing myself is like, Oh, well, is that too low? You know, what, what should it be? But anyways, my goal right now, as of right now, it's hundred units. Um, Are you managing all the properties yourself? No. So here, good question. I, um, so part of the real estate group that I'm a part of, you know, I'm an agent with Kelly Williams, but the team that I'm on, um, Brittany Purcell and Associates, and then she has a sister company called Georgia Legacy Management. Um, and that's a property management company. So I was kind of like right in the right place at the right time to be able to just, I started with the first property in property management because I knew that um, I knew that where I wanted to go would eventually involve property management because, you know, if I'm fishing in Colorado or, you know, whatever, I don't want to be getting phone calls. So I might as well go ahead and set that system up right now so that when it comes time to have a portfolio that's not manageable myself, that's already in place. That like infrastructure is already there. So yeah, I use property management. You, you, so you don't, so you say the, the money they charge you versus the cash flow you could be making, you would rather take, you know, cause you're, you'd rather take the, um, oh, 
hundred percent because my goals from the very beginning were real estate was what can I do in order to have income coming in if I can't do anything. Right. Right. And if I'm having to go fix toilets or answer phone calls or whatever, like I can't, you know, I can't do that if I'm sick or, or if I'm in the hospital or what, you know, who knows what might happen, right. but I can't do that. So I knew that I'm going to have to go ahead and set that up right now in anticipation of being too big to manage myself. So that's what I did. And it's, it's so worth it. No, it's so def worth it. definitely. It's definitely smart. It's definitely smart. You actually just, you know, cause now you don't really feel the effect like me right now, if I put all my property in product management, I'll be like, oh man, that's a lot of money taken. Yeah. But you started with it right off the back. So you're not yeah. really never missing anything. Yep. Good point. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, all right. You, you got the real estate now. Um, far as outside of real estate, like, do you do any other investing or is just. Um, and also, how do your school teachers that you used to work with, how do they feel about yours? I mean, you're pretty much a lot successful than more successful than your counter, you know, co-workers was, but how do they feel about I've had that? people reach out. I've had people reach out and, you know, say, you know, I'd love to be doing that. Or, you know, how'd you get started or whatever? I've had a lot of people reach out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're they're inquisitive and curious. And I'm look, I'm an open book. I would love to teach people to do what I'm doing because, you know, it's it's taken a lot of pressure off, like, no, no, pressure is not the right word. It's, I really enjoy what I'm doing and I would love for other people to experience that too. Yeah. But, but the, the thing you got to be careful with in which I talk, cause like, say I got my real estate license and I'm doing really good at real estate. Like you are other people might say, well, maybe I should get my real estate license and do the same thing. But I feel like, you know, um, everybody have a gift or a talent or a purpose. And it may be different. It's just all about discovering it, finding it. Because yeah. I think if everybody do real estate, well, who's going to be good at, you know, mowing the yards or fixing the contractors? Everybody can't, you know, this is not everybody perfect. Because I was trying to preach everybody to do this too. But then I came to the conclusion, no, I think everybody should do what their purpose, like what they wake up every day, you know, like slobbing for. Like even yeah. when I, I was a mailman before I started doing this, like I'm pretty sure you know, but yeah. I, I woke up about real estate every day, even though I was in a mail truck, you know, I'm still thinking about real estate. So it just makes sense. So I try to get people to find out what they think about every day, no matter what. Yeah. I've, I've, I've recently questioned uh, when I, when I'm excited about real estate and talking to people about details of the deal and this and that, I'm like, they really care. They, they they're, they're not as into it as I am. Yeah. So <laughs> I see what you're saying for sure. Yeah. But definitely, I think, like, people like us, we got to, uh, like, I don't really have a lot of investor friends where I'm at. Most of the people are, they either, like, on the internet, they far away. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to the Bigger Pockets meetup, which I need to start going, because these are like-minded people. And I feel like it's such a, um, such a, like, being around the, in the right, the right atmosphere, I think it'll uplift, you know, take us to that next level. For sure. The, the Bigger Pockets guys say you are an average of who you surround yourself with. Exactly. So you surround yourself with success and folks that are like-minded and supportive and enthusiastic, then you'll by default be that. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, like far as not just uh, real estate or like, what do you think the world need to make it a better place? Like mm. just in general, like, I mean, 
you you see in color now. Some people still see in black and white. So just think, there's people out there still seeing black and white. You see in color. What would make this? Because to me, I'm like this world is just. I don't. I'm be. I'm not political or anything, but I just be. I be uh, confused why certain things are happening. You know, like we need housing, we need paychecks. If you don't have these things, you have a lot of crime. You know, it just it's just like bounce off each other to me. But what do you think we need to make this world to come back to be like you know? Because my new American dream is like the world being so free and just like it's not just the old typical you know work somewhere from and be boring. Yeah, um, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I mean, I think it's a a focused perspective. People lose perspective of what's important so often that they get distracted by things that shouldn't distract them. Um, so I know that's a very Miss America answer, but focus in your perspective, knowing what's important to you and really digging into that and doing whatever it takes to make that the priority in your life. Well, how are you accomplishing your, like, what are some um, goal tips? Because how you accomplish your goals, you're, you're going, you're blowing past them. So, like, what are some things you do to accomplish your goals, like? Um, well, first of all, I define them. Right. Um, because I don't think you can really go after something that you don't know exactly what you're chasing. So, I define them, and then I work backwards. So, I know that if I'm wanting to be at 100 units, in five years, then my average needs to be uh, uh, 20, 20 right. units a year, right? Yeah, right. So how many contacts a month does it take me to get 20 units a year? Like how many phone calls a day do I need to make in order to get enough contacts? You know, so I work backwards. So, you know, the, my numbers that I've run, you know, I need to, I need to make like 15 to 20 contacts a day, somehow, some way having to do with real estate. And I think at that point, it'll, it'll work out. And so far it has, I mean, it's, it's done better, but you know, I'm making a, make it a point to send a piece of mail to somebody at least five a day. I make it a point to make at least five phone calls. I make it a point to set up, you know, however many, emails you know so i'm you know those are my achievable goals because i can't just go out and make well i mean i guess you could but you know it's not practical to go out and just say all right today i'm gonna go find 100 deals or if you if you don't you're you're unsuccessful basically right that's a lot so, of pressure so i make my um success on what was i consistent with today and it seems like the um, results just naturally follow yeah that's some comment i think because i do the same thing i write the big goal down at the top, but I never look at it again. I always just do the homework. So the homework, like for me, I was never really a good test taker in school, but the homework, I'm going to get a hundred on. So, yeah. you know, I know I got a test up here, but I'm going to just do all the homework and extra credit. Right. So that's like, you know, if I'm trying to get my grass to be green, I'm going to mow it, I'm going to fertilize it. And eventually, hopefully it'd be green. Cause that's what you're supposed to do to make it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that goes back to your comment where the biggest part is just showing up. Yeah. Going up, sharpen that axe and grind away. Yes. Dang, this is crazy. It was some, oh yeah, I was going to ask this before we go. Is it anybody you think not alive that you maybe feel like you wish they could have uh, 
maybe you could have, um, like your, like say your parents told you about your great granddad or great aunt, and they they maybe had some of the skills that you have that you wish you got to meet them. Yeah. So, I um, yeah. So and and my grandpa just passed away in December, um, right after we had uh, bought our triplex. Um, but he was, you know, in our town, you know, I live in Athens, Georgia. Um, he was a builder with his brother back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Oh. Um, now, he knew that I was getting into real estate. And funny enough, I had actually shown some homes that he built. To, you know, I showed homes to my clients that right. he had built back in the day, which was fun to tell him about. But um, he passed away a little bit before, um, you know, we got into investing and my brother came and joined it. I think he would have got a chuckle out of seeing me and my brother Tyler uh, in this business, kind of following in his, in his footsteps, um, not intentionally following his footsteps, but kind of naturally happened that, you know, we're both in the real estate world and um, my brother's doing the construction part. I'm doing the acquisitions part and the investing part. And, you know, I think he would have got a chuckle out of that, but. Um, so, so do you think if he give you advice, you take it, right? Oh, for sure. So, you know what I do now, whenever I'm in like a squeeze situation where I don't know whether to go left or right, I think about people like him and I say, mm, if they was alive still, what would they do? Yeah. And, you know? and his thing, I think whenever uh, he passed away and, you know, folks I've talked to um, on things that he's been a part of was that he was as, as honest and as humble as anybody they worked with. Like, you know, sometimes you get a, a weird vibe from contractors. Right. Um, nobody ever got that about him. So that is that is something that I hope that my brother and myself both uh, emulate in our business and will, will take pride in, in carrying all that legacy. So you said when he was humble, he didn't really go around telling people all the houses he built. That's right. That's right. And he did not, he didn't charge people out of the ears for it either. From what I understand, you know, he, he, I, he built a Christian school around here, you know, as he donated his time and his everything to, you know, making the town a little bit better. That's, that's great. Yeah. All right. This, this is a good podcast. All right. These like the final five questions of the new American dream podcast. So the first thing coming to your mind, you just blurted out. Well, if you could spend a day with anybody, you know, and like pick that brain, go to lunch with, who would it be? Ooh, Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Larry Bird. <laughs> That's the first yep. one right there. <laughs> it has nothing to do with real estate, but he was my first favorite player. I've met my second favorite player, Bobby Hurley. He was a point guard at, at Duke, the all-time NCAA assist leader, Duke, back in the 90s. I met him, um, but Larry Bird, I would just like to – I'd like to hear basketball stories from Larry Bird. Man, I want to be on the wall because I know that he got some crazy stories back in that day. Yeah, yeah dang, that's a, that's a good one. Would you would you play? I, oh, I'm gonna guess. Let me guess. You play point guard, shooting guard. You was known for shooting. Point guard, yeah. Point guard. Yeah, you, I um, I I could shoot. I was never really a scorer. I I was my strength was known where everybody was supposed to be on the court at any time. So I could facilitate facilitate things because you know when you get to college, I was six foot and weighed like one forty in college, and I'm playing against like six seven and two ten. So yeah, I I found my advantage by just knowing where everybody was supposed to be and like kind of just 
gotten things along like they should be. I know this kind of shift, but like you know, in basketball, uh, see how you say your your skill was knowing where everybody at on the court. You wasn't the fastest guy, you didn't say you weren't the tallest guy, but you took your strengths and made it an asset. Yep. So I say like people are like, oh, you got in real estate because of this or that. No, I think everybody got to use your um your it's like your extra stops, uh, your extra strength. Somebody yeah. might have a rich uncle. Some might might have parents with a paid off house. It's mm-hmm. it's all but you got to use your strength. Like I played football, and I always tell people like I was really slow at cornerback, but I also I, was, I had seven interceptions. So I would watch stuff like in high school. You know the wide receiver, if there's a run play, they're gonna be not too focused. You know they come out there lazy. But as a pass play, they come out like it's a pass play, you know. So I had to use my skill because I wasn't that fast. So I had to pick up, like you said, on other things in order to, you know, be able oh, yeah, to teach. Sure. There's, there's tails and everything. There's, yeah. I mean, you could use that that uh, perspective in real estate. You know, how do you know which which sellers are more prone to sell? Well, you can tell one by the, the shape of their property. You know, and once you get to building a relationship with them, well, well, you understand why they let their property go. And then you realize, oh, this is somebody that's got a problem that I can help solve. You know, so that translates. I never did this before. We, this is like a sidebar. I just want people to see how, I'm going to see how good you are. I'm the seller. You're knocking on my door. And um, I want to see how would you, you know, how would you go? We're going to, you know what I mean? Okay, sure. All right, go ahead. Dean. Hey, Hello. George. Hey, hey George. I'm, uh, my name is Nolan Gottlieb. Um, I'm a local real estate investor. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm around town all the, all, you know, driving around town. I see a lot of houses and I've, I've got a few houses myself. And I noticed that you've got a house like on one, two, three main street. Um, and it, it seems like it's been vacant for a while. Um, and it might, you know, be need some repairs. Is there a reason that, um, that you might have not been able to do those repairs? Well, you know, actually, you know, the tenant just moved out and is I just haven't really had time to get around up, but I was thinking about selling, but at the same time, and I was talking to my wife, she didn't want to sell it, but yeah, we had a tenant and they just got out last month. So it's just sitting right now. Yeah. So are you guys a managing tenant yourself? Is that, I guess you don't have property management. Is that right? Yeah, no, that was the only house we had. We just managed yeah. ourselves. So are you guys looking to like build a portfolio or are you looking to like get out of Oh, it? no, 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 no. We're retired now. We're not trying to buy any more properties. We're done. Yeah. Well, so I, like I said, I'm a local investor and I would love to like build my portfolio. So, I mean, if you're interested, I would be interested in taking a look at your house um, and possibly buying it myself, cash. Um, you know, and if it's not something that works out for me, you know, I would be glad to list it for you. But, you know, whatever works for you, I'm like, I'm interested in the house, obviously myself. But, you know, based on what you guys are looking for, you know, I'd be glad to help. Is that something that you'd be interested in? Yeah, probably could. Probably could take a look at it. All right. Well, I'm available tomorrow at five. Is there any chance we could meet um, at the property? Yeah, that'll work. Awesome. Dang. Well, I- yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm about to sell my house for real. <laughs> but but that that exactly that's how the conversation be. Uh, it might be a good a lot of times. I think it get more sidetracked about um, personal relationship 
you know, yeah. other than about the relationship. But when people, when you're trying to talk to somebody who own, because if you in front of the seller, you have the best and the number one spot to get the house. Yeah. You know, once you got realtors involved, you know, you get, it's all business now. Yeah, you're but, exactly right. And and it takes a lot to get to the point that we just role played. Right. Right. Usually they don't answer the door. Right. But usually it takes, you know, handwritten cards and then a call saying, hey, this is Nolan Gottlieb. I, uh, you know, I, I'm the one that wrote the cards to you. Um, were you able to take a look at those? Hopefully you got them. And then it's like, okay, well, how about I'm going to be in the neighborhood tomorrow. Do you mind if I stop by? Yeah. You know, so there's a process. It's not just usually it's not just yeah. the door. right and also i would say um the seller and what i was going to say the seller the seller is trying to sell the property what i was thinking about you said and usually the sellers are super skeptical of you yes yes yeah but no no this is what i was gonna say my biggest mistake was when i first started you know trying to find real estate deals mm-hmm. i was on facebook Anybody trying to sell a property, you know, call me, do this. And you got to realize nobody on Facebook, I mean, not nobody, but people on Facebook are not the homeowners. Everybody I bought homes from are 55 plus majority of the time. And they're not even on Facebook. So I realized, you know, when you get the chance to talk to uh, landlords, like you said, the number one question he asked was, are you, uh, do you have a portfolio? You know, because that go to tell you right then and there, how much real estate they're in are they going like most people if they over 55 they really not trying to go up they're trying to have an easy life you know so all them questions are like so you can know you know which way to go because you use an agent too you can still sell it it's like you know you got a bunch of ways to go yeah yeah um for sure i yeah the writing cards and whitepages.com membership five dollars a month are my best friends not what? facebook not facebook it is cards and phone calls. That's work. Yeah. All right. Uh, best book that kind of changed your life? Oh, well, this is cliche, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad really opened my eyes to what real estate investing could be. Right. Um, I'm currently reading uh, The Multifamily Millionaire, Volume 2. You know, uh, uh, Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets and uh, David Green. Yeah, David Green. Yeah. They, um, well, David, I can't remember the other author, but anyways, it's co authored by Brandon Turner. And right. the, the, the one that is talking about the bigger multifamily, I'm hearing and reading things in there that are like I didn't know, like syndications and all that kind of stuff I didn't know anything about. So I'm really enjoying that right now, kind of opening my mind to what could be. Could be. Yeah. Brandon Turner is the smartest man on earth. I said it. <laughs> I've, learned so I've learned so much about real estate investing, driving to and from appointments, listening to bigger pockets. Yeah, definitely. Um, a life motto you live by. Oof. Um, gosh, I don't have a motto, but I invest in people that I love and I, um, I live every day as if I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Wow. That's good. Oh, man. If you could live in any state forever, what state would it be? Colorado. Yeah. I love hiking. <laughs> I love fishing. Um, I feel like I would love skiing, but I, I haven't been. <laughs> yeah. I, haven't been, but I feel like, and I love the mountains. So yeah. I, I think that's my sweet spot. 
Man, you know, I went to Colorado maybe maybe a couple years ago. We went to um, Brink, not Brink Ridge. It was maybe like an hour outside of Denver. Mm -hmm. But uh, we stayed in a cabin and the people, you know, they have these books. You need to get in the Airbnb too, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they had a book in the Airbnb where you write, you know, how your trip was. So the, it's the last day in the place where we stayed at, it's all windows. So you can see the smoking, the mountains. I, remember, I can't remember what mountains, but the mountains, you should see it as best view ever. Yeah. And the people uh, wrote in the book, like, I guess they stayed up right before we did, but they put one year from today, we will buy, you know, we're going to sell out. We're going to go back home, sell our business, and we're going to move to Denver, Colorado. I was like, like, they made it point blank. I bet, you know, they said it, like, you know, go back home, sell our business, and we're moving here. I for sure get that. I look at houses in Durango, Colorado, and Zillow. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely. I love man, Colorado. I had so much fun up there. I would definitely. I like Colorado, and um, I don't know if you've been to Tennessee, Gatlinburg. Yeah, it's just right up the road. Yeah, man. Yeah. Them both of them are my spots, man. I love them. It's yeah. like a, it's the energy, like in Colorado. It's different. Like one thing I noticed is, I don't know if it's not the people not uptight, but like, the, like they had the um, the people at the cash register might have uh, black, uh, not black, but men had nails on their pockets or big old earrings in their ear. And it wasn't like people were judging nobody. It was just like, I ain't gonna say hippie, but it felt like, you know, everybody was free, be yourself. There's a different vibe out there for sure. Yeah, um, different. Okay, last we question. Should, we should meet out in Colorado and go fishing sometime. Oh man, we're gonna set it up, we're gonna set it up. All right. All right. For um, the old American dream is, you know, you'll still be a science teacher and you'll probably retire at 60 and then you'll maybe travel to Colorado once a year with your wife. What is your version of the new American dream now that you're not a school teacher? New American dream is to, in five years, have money not be an issue for anything and be able to just do the things we really, really love doing. Which <laughs> is traveling and spending time with family and friends all over the country. Yes. You're gonna have to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I've got, a, I've got a face for radio. So I don't know. Oh, <laughs> all right. We ain't going to put this on YouTube. We're going to just put it out. All right. But no, no, let, let the people know if they want to reach out, you know, to find out more information about you. What's the best way to contact you? Gotcha. So I'm on Facebook, Nolan Gottlieb, um, and on Instagram, Nolan G20. And then just recently, I have um, started a business page, which is, I don't know if you can read this, Gottlieb Properties. Gottlieb Properties. Gottlieb Properties. So Instagram and Facebook for that too. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Appreciate it for you for coming yeah. on. Yeah, George, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you.